0: Welcome back to the Orange Silicon Valley Bistrocast, the podcast about what's new, what's coming, and what connects people in the world of tech. I'm Brian Warmuth, the content lead at Orange Silicon Valley. This week, our guest is Will Barkas. Will leads our Smart Cities formation here at OSV. He has a deep background working with Mozilla and the National Science Foundation, as well as the mayor's office here in San Francisco, and probably a few other things he can tell you about today. He's also our go-to source for many of us here at Orange Silicon Valley on policy issues, whether that's at the municipal, state, or federal level. So first of all, Will, thanks for sitting down. You're the second guest on this podcast series, so thanks for giving it a whirl. Thanks for having me, this is fun. Smart cities is a large category. We've, I think a lot of us have heard about it for many years now. It kind of seems like a dauntingly large bundle of policies and technologies can you maybe tell me a little bit about what it means to you? How do you define smart cities in the scope of your work here at Orange Silicon Valley?
1: Yeah, sure. I think it's, um, <clears throat> it's a challenging phrase, I think, as some people love it, some people hate it. It's kind of gone from being, um, you know, sort of vendor-centric kind of marketing term to being almost like an algebraic placeholder for like whatever your community thinks mm-hmm. smart is. and. and and technology should be used for. So, I guess, I don't know, there, there are a bunch of different definitions. Mm-hmm. Um, the UN's International Telecommunications Union did a report on this a few years back and they came up with a, there were a hundred different definitions they identified and then they went on to proceed. That's like a add, lot of definitions. Their, yeah, <laughs> and they added their own. So then, <laughs> like 101 yeah. uh, at the end of the day. But I think, there are a couple of different ways to think about it. So, so, number one is it is locally defined. Mm-hmm. So, whatever it means to your community, based on your, you know, the community needs, the political priorities.
0: It might be something different for Tallahassee, Florida, yeah. than it is for New York City. Totally, for instance. Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. And also, it's so. So, there's that sort of defining the problem space locally. There's also an element of human-centric design or user kind of user-centric focus, uh, mm-hmm. customer-centric focus about it that I think is, is sort of a universal thing, mm-hmm. um, at least as far as the outwardly facing smart cities applications mm-hmm. are concerned. If it's just a kind of government uh, modernization or improving government services, that's that's maybe not the case, but so there's an element of a high quality customer experience. And then what's the third piece? Like I think, I, I, I wish I had my slides in for me, but I always talk okay. about a simple model of three pieces, data, Connectivity and collaboration. So, in a way, I think it's a useful way of thinking about it. It's about data, new data, even like new types of data, new data sources, or, or using data in new ways. Connectivity across, you know, all kinds of connectivity, whether that's fiber to the premises or uh, a really low bandwidth, long-range wireless, you know, connectivity, or five G wireless. I mean, there's going to be a whole range of things. It depends on you know, use appropriate connectivity. Mm-hmm. And then um, collaboration, because I think it's a lot about changing the way we've worked before, Mm -hmm. organizationally, whether that's within government or or
0: outside of government. So I guess you could say it's a state of mind in terms of goals and approaches to solving problems in addition to describing the technologies themselves.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, I like that it's towards an end. It's Mm -hmm. like towards the use case, towards the person doing the thing with the technology, Mm -hmm. not say, internet of things which is about the technology i mean that is you know that's a term that will go away at some point once it becomes really ubiquitous smart cities i think will be around for a long time at least that concept because it's towards something that takes data in does something with it that you might call smart or intelligent you know and then takes action
0: is it is it oversimplifying it just to say that it's about user friendly cities <laughs> That, or, is I mean, that a, or would it be fair to say that's a dimension of what the stock It's a big dimension of
1: a, I, I think, in some ways, it's almost. It, there are a lot of things about a city that you don't even want to think about, mm-hmm. like waste pickup. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to. Wor- your average person doesn't really care about the, how the public bins get picked up. They just mm-hmm. want them to not be overflowing mm-hmm. into the space, you know, and, and so, or the street's clean, or, mm-hmm. you know, no one cares. No one wants traffic, yeah. I mean, pretty much. <laughs> and, you, But you don't necessarily want to dive into the how that's solved. Mm-hmm. So, so to some extent, it is about the user experience hiding a lot of that complexity behind the scenes. Um. I see.
0: Can you maybe tell me about uh, how your background mm-hmm. led you to get interested in this space? Because I, I know you have done a lot of work in the sciences, mm-hmm. uh, going back many years. You even work did some work with neuroscience at Berkeley, as I understand. Yeah. And what what personally drew you into the policy and technology arena from that background? Yeah. How much time do we have? So I mean,
1: minutes. I you know I, I grew up in a really small town uh, in Kansas mm-hmm. and. My dad was in politics. My grandpa had been a farmer on the farm where I grew up, but it was also kind of in politics and a community leader in our town. And so I think, um, you know, my mom was like a kindergarten teacher in public schools. And I think the whole idea of civic, civil service, and community service and being part of your community was always something I grew up with. Sure. You know, and and I always liked politics like the kind of baseball of politics Mm -hmm. as well but but also by nature i think i was a little bit more of a of a scientist and Mm -hmm. i was you know really interested in math and and the sciences and um, the computer science in particular but you were you felt
0: connected to these systems and services because you had parents working yeah and
1: public sector connected exactly and just like seeing how politics how the political machinery works you know at least at the state level in kansas Mm -hmm. was always you know so i think there was a personal passion i guess for Civic kind of element of it, and then coupled with my own kind of more you know personal interests in math and science, you know so I so that kind of naturally led me more towards the policy side of politics. And in fact, I thought I was. gonna, I mean, for many years I was just a scientist. I I, um, I didn't you know undergrad in uh, interdisciplinary computer science, but then moved into neuroscience uh, and did a PhD in neuroscience. So I was you know in the lab working away for many years. And uh, but in the end, I think I wanted to do something broader than just what you have to do if you're gonna be a cutting edge scientist, where you really, really go deep. Um, I wanted to kind of be at the meta level of innovation, I think more broadly. I mean, I think innovation is a huge, huge area, but science science is part of that thing we call innovation. And so I think I wanted to step back and and think about how does systems of science work. And so I went to the National Science Foundation for two years and did public policy there in the computer science directorate. And that, you know, kind of led me back into the technology world a little bit more. And uh, I think I found my like a, a really sweet spot in in civic innovation, in smart cities, and you know, Internet of Things. I mentioned IoT earlier. Should I explain? You know, Internet of Things for cities or AI for cities? Like putting those putting those various technologies to use, like for the broader community. Yeah, just kind of hits hits all those things that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm.
0: So when you're talking about these technologies, especially in a city in which you know there's elements of technology all around you—from the roads to the buildings to the infrastructure, the get down to the sewers and the electric lines—it it, it runs all around you. At what point do you think a technology becomes a smart city's technology? Maybe this gets a little bit back to what you were talking about in terms of the goals, mm-hmm. but you know, IoT is a world of technologies that overlaps in there somewhat. Right, right. Tell me about how you view that.
1: It's hard, because I think it cuts across a lot of different um, different types of technology, but also different vertical domains. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at the core, you can argue it's about maybe modernizing and digitizing government services. I personally think it's, much, it's useful to kind of expand the circle beyond that, mm-hmm. to be thinking about things like Uber. For mm-hmm. instance, I mean, Uber has radically changed the transportation mm-hmm. landscape in San Francisco, Sure. and especially as they even move into more smart mobility things. Like yeah. they've self, you know, self-identified these things as smart mobility, but like bike share yeah. with uh, purchase of jump bikes, or um, the ability to buy buy public tickets, public mm-hmm. bus tickets, and other things yeah. through a mobile app that they uh, announced a partnership um, with Masabi, mm-hmm. the largest SDKs for that. And then also uh, get arounds you, that you can now, or at least not yet, but soon, rent a car within the Uber app. So, you know, you take Uber from here to there, you maybe you take the, a jump bike from one place to another, and then you rent a bike, uh, rent a car. I, I'm sure people listening Uber.
0: to this are familiar with Uber. Maybe you could describe what get around does that's a little yeah. Bit different. Yeah, get
1: around, um, it's it's like, so <laughs> these things are always like, it's like the X of Y, mm-hmm. but it's, so Zipcar pioneered this, I believe, the idea of essentially car, car rental locally, like in your neighborhood, on demand, essentially, like and by the hour, mm-hmm. and they, they really simplified it by including insurance, included gas, even mm-hmm. a lot of these things. So you, you know, you don't need to own a car if you yeah. have a Zipcar nearby. In fact, there's a study out of Berkeley that they take roughly 10 cars off the road, yeah. you know, for every every shared car you mm-hmm. have. So uh, get around is very similar to Zipcar, except mm-hmm. it's kind of the Airbnb model or the mm-hmm. Uber model for Zipcar. It's for
0: people's personal cars. People's personal yeah. cars or the cars. Right. So
1: the they don't own any of the fleet. Zipcar owns all their cars, mm-hmm. and you rent them from Zipcar get around just connects you with drivers who are renting out their car, yeah. you know, on an hourly to daily basis. Yeah.
0: But here, here you're talking about private companies that have stepped into spaces without yeah. regulation in the beginning, and now they're cutting into areas that were heavily regulated, so there's a big conversation yeah. going about on about that. And it even goes city. full
1: circle in some places where they're subsidizing, the city or the municipality is subsidizing public, with public money, mm-hmm. uh, these private, like Uber or Lyft to do last mile Options in mm-hmm. areas where it's you know currently is not served very well. You know, when you, you say get,
0: last mile, maybe you should. Get, explain oh yeah, what yeah that sure. Means. Getting you know
1: getting people either you know to their to their home or to the, the place they're going that last challenging bit of
0: the mm-hmm. journey. Shorter distances that might make right. a metro stop prohibitively a long way from where you live versus yeah. not being prohibitively yeah, exactly. a long way away.
1: Yeah. So 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 popping the stack back to your broader question mm-hmm. about how do you define what fits in the smart cities paradigm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we have a perspective. I mean, I, I don't, you know, want to speak for Orange at large, mm-hmm. but you know, we sell smart city solutions um, primarily in France and the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are often at the district level where we have mm-hmm. a number of buildings and, or, or even a sm- one smart building. Like mm-hmm. uh, we, we announced we're doing the uh, the world's largest building that's gonna be built in Saudi Arabia, the mm-hmm. Jeddah Economic Tower, mm-hmm. the first kilometer high building, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Amazing. Yeah,
0: that's a really tall um, building. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I look at the Salesforce Tower here, which is the tallest building on the West Coast, Yes, yeah. it's
0: three times that size. Yeah. So just, yeah, <laughs> you know, three Salesforce so, Towers on top of each other. Yeah, it's nuts. So, and I that's think, a building I can see from across yeah. the bay. It sticks out like yeah. And, and so, I, I mean, you know,
1: that, the the, um, the Orange Business Services folks who are working on smart cities have a bunch of you know a bunch of interesting solutions we can provide in that context in a, in a building or in a, in a like a district of buildings. But I think the reason we're here in Silicon Valley is to try and see around the corner, mm-hmm. or maybe around two corners sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So. Looking at uh, like how Nvidia, for instance, is is it pr- using their their deep expertise in AI mm-hmm. to to look at the cityscape. They have a, a new platform. what are they doing? Yeah. yeah, they have a new platform called Metropolis, and it's primarily focused on using video cameras as the sensor. I, I think the the stats they have are there will be a billion cameras in the world by twenty twenty surveillance yes. kind of cameras. There are already three hundred million in China alone. Yeah. And how you know the, the what what kind of um, knowledge that gives you situational awareness about what's going on in your community really broadly, it's both it's kind of scary in a big brother sense, but it's also amazing mm-hmm. because you know people. San Francisco has an initiative called Vision Zero to get to like prevent the death of pedestrians and bicyclists from cars primarily. You know, we don't know peop- how people use the streets very well. We don't know how they use the sidewalks, we don't, or, or, or all these things. We don't even know, you know, where are the pigeons, where are the birds, or other you know other things. Mm-hmm. Being able to analyze in real time video is going to give us totally new levels of insight about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's that's the stuff we're, we're trying to trying to see.
0: I think it's interesting. You note there a specific goal in San Francisco that smart cities technology can connect to. Uh, as varied as political goals can be across governments, whether that's from city to city or even from the municipal level to the state level to the federal level, what do you feel like the most obvious opportunities are for smart cities technology to solve real problems? I mean, maybe they're as varied as the cities they serve, but wh- where do you think where do you think the most obvious places are for, yeah. to, to find opportunities?
1: I think. I mean, it's it's a little bit. It's also different depending on the economics of your of your local market. Sure. Um, but I think, at, le- at least in the U.S., you know, most cities are not flush with cash. Most cities aren't. going to be doing uh, large infrastructure deployments for mm-hmm. with you know, no clear or guaranteed kind of revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I think we're seeing things like street lights being deployed yeah. because. It's pretty clear from you what know, kind of
0: street light projects are we seeing? Um, when you, when you so San that? Diego
1: is doing a really big one. Uh, they had done it as a pilot initially, um, but GE and AT&T and Intel were the three main companies. And so involved. you're
0: just talking about smart lights, or what else yeah, is going so on the, in those the, implementations? The interesting
1: thing I think is that we don't we don't really know what the the secondary uses, like the, the initial use, or, or you know, the, the reason to put them in is they're using LED lights instead of mm-hmm. older lights. Okay. And so they, the projects pay for themselves just in the energy mm-hmm. efficiency of the light
0: bulbs. We aren't putting as many light bulbs exactly. in.
1: And that's proven technology. Mm-hmm. The unproven stuff for the, where, where people get really excited is thinking about those, that infrastructure, mm-hmm. which is out in the open, mm-hmm. it's got amazing line of sight, whether to, you know, things literally with cameras, let's say, or also radios, you know, for 5G wireless or, mm-hmm. Even better 4G LTE coverage, or microphones to hear gunshots. Mm-hmm. But you know, using that that physical infrastructure as as infrastructure for other sensors, like and bringing you know more situational awareness from those other sensors. So the initial ones are some video cameras to look at, say, how many parking spots are available on the street in real mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. Um, or gunshot detection through microphones. Mm-hmm. But I think. We're gonna see air, you know great air quality sensors hopefully yeah just to you know understand better the health kind of our, our community and then the, I don't know from there this seems like there's a lot of different ways to go I, mm-hmm. I guess I also get excited going back to this uh, the first point about how to actually pay for this stuff I get excited by, uh, by like kiosks uh, like in New York where you have widespread deployment of these you know link NYC excuse me, um, or I guess Intersection is the company yeah. behind it. Um, what are the
0: kiosks do?
1: kiosks, and they have, so it's it's a physical you know structure that stands, actually I don't know how tall those, theirs are, yeah. let's call it 10 meters or less, uh-huh. 8 meters, up from the ground. Then you have the base level, some ports to intera- charge your phones or interact with a, a touchscreen to find out information about the neighborhood.
0: Are these replacing telephone booths? Yeah, Yeah, so in a way it's the modern telephone. Taking over the old footprint of telephone Yeah, modes, in fact, uh,
1: I think a lot of them are placed in the, you know, using the same connections uh, or the same, at least, physical uh, mm-hmm. infrastructure as where the yeah. telephone booths were. It's kind, of, it's kind of funny how infrastructure begets infrastructure, Yeah. But
0: well, it's something familiar that people are used to seeing. Here's a kiosk. I think there's communications yeah. technology there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, we have these, you know, SF Department of Electricity yeah. uh, fire alarms that you see if you walk around San Francisco, mm-hmm. they're just, they have to maintain these, yeah. you know, it's like, That'd be a great
0: opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, There's payphones down in the Embarcadero BART stop. There.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'd be really funny how yeah. I'd like to know how how often those are used. I, right? I am curious. <laughs> um, <I'm> curious. <laughs> but just to read, just to read at the thought on the on the kiosk, the cool thing is that ad revenue can pay for the entire project, uh, you know, it's, itself, and yeah. then you have the ability to, you know, put in more radios in the top to say improve cellular coverage or to, to kind of future-proof the city against uh, for 5G connectivity. Yeah. which is going to need a lot dense, a lot denser uh, tower coverage, mm-hmm. things like that. So,
0: cool. What uh, we've already gotten to a few specific examples. Are there any other pilots that you would note or deployments that you've seen as important examples to watch right now? I, obviously, we're in the early stages. Of a lot of these things, mm-hmm. uh, either in the Bay Area or elsewhere.
1: You know, I think those those two examples are two of my favorites mm-hmm. um, because I think they. They have a business model that can support them, mm-hmm. like street streetlights and mm-hmm. um, uh, kiosks, because mm-hmm. they have. But they both have business models that can support them, and they're both sort of the fu- building future infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I mean, I think some of them I think some of this exciting stuff uh, that's going on is in this new area of low power wide area networks, yeah, uh, LP WAN, it's mm-hmm. often called. But you know, basically, the idea is you can do something with a sensor or other device. Connect it to you know connect connect that device with one one hundredth or a thousandth as much power mm-hmm. and. And also much lower cost, so you know a tenth to a hundredth the cost. Yeah. So you're and potentially saving
0: electricity with
1: that. You're saving electricity, but that, what it means is you know you don't have to have a, a battery that has to be recharged or replaced, and yeah. it allows you and it's so that's just sort of
0: Maintenance savings too. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. You change the Wi-Fi in the building, and then suddenly you don't you don't have to deal with provisioning devices again and again, and mm-hmm. all that maintenance is a simple, one time only.
0: More passively you know, maintainable piece yeah. of infrastructure.
1: Ten years, and the bat never change the battery. So yeah, and and so then you get into being able to put those things in places you couldn't before. So San Francisco has a couple in, in the ground in um, the wastewater pipes yeah. in the middle of the street. They're really hard to get to. Yeah. Before they were using cellular, and so they had to go in and change the battery every mm-hmm. few months. Um, so they're experimenting by putting these low-power, wide-area network uh, enable you know, connected devices in, and they can measure how much salt is in the water because apparently when the when the water backs up into the from the ocean or from the bay into this wastewater treatment, it just it, it messes up the bacteria that that help treat the water. So that's a, that's a big problem. Yeah. And so they can um, sense the salinity and the temperature and a few other things, and just you know never ever get back into the middle of the road to change the battery for. I think they're shooting for three years, but for a long time, right? Okay. So I think the I just went to the IoT World Conference like back in May, I guess, yeah. and it just felt like we're still just not quite there in connectivity for for IoT. Mm-hmm. But I think with with LoRaWAN, which is what we, you know we're doing in France and other places, and Com- Comcast is doing in the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. under the Machine Q mm-hmm. brand, or or um, you know a handful of other wireless uh, platforms, we're, we're getting closer to that. And so I think. Um, As far as pilots, you know, as those as those platforms cover cities, I think those cities all become, you know, kind of pilot areas.
0: I see, I see. Let me. We have maybe five minutes left here. I, I know you have a live event coming up soon. I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that because one yeah. of the things I wanted to talk more about as this podcast series goes on are some of the live events we do here on a week to week, month to month basis. This is really cool
1: to me, to me. Obviously, I'm hosting it, but.
0: When, when is it <laughs> happening? Is, what is it? So,
1: yeah, so September 13th, we are as part of the larger Global Climate Action Summit. Say that right. Global Climate Action Summit that um, California Governor Brown and former New York City Mayor Bloomberg are putting on. We're hosting a, an official sort of side event with the University of California's Center for Effective Global Action. Yeah, C E G A or C E G A. We're hosting an event around um, you know research to address needs of climate change, mm-hmm. and you know we we should have a really amazing you know, lineup of keynotes. Um, yeah, I know the programming's still coming yeah, together. The still coming what, together. I don't know how much
0: you can say about that yet.
1: Right, yeah. maybe, maybe I shouldn't
0: uh, <laughs> put any names out there that we're not totally sure about, but. We'll have more information about it available on orangesv.com and through our social media channels yeah, in the weeks gonna, to come.
1: The, the whole thing is focused on you know, action towards, uh, like preventing, I guess, runaway climate change, but um, action at the sub-national level, so state and regional kind of activity. So hope, you know, hopefully we'll do some interesting things.
0: Anything else you'd want to add here? One of the things I, I told Mike to talk about when he was on here was what kind of people are you looking to meet here in your role here? Who listening to this should reach out and say hi and, and talk to you more about these topics?
1: Yeah. Um well, anyone who thought, <laughs> thinks any of this stuff is interesting, I'd love to yeah. love to connect. Um, you mentioned I'm, work, I'm doing some work, or I have been for the last couple of years, with uh, the Mayor's Office of mm-hmm. Civic Innovation, mm-hmm. working with the Chief Innovation Officer in San Francisco on smart cities and Internet of Things and connectivity. So anything that's useful for San Francisco is also great to hear about. But I guess, I mean, I, hot topics, I, I really think artificial intelligence and what we can use it for you know put it to good use in our communities is, is a really interesting one I mean I think yeah. we're just at the dawn of you know of AI and, and robotics and other and these really I mean I always say it's, it feels so I mean, dis- disruptive gets thrown around a lot or innovative gets thrown around a lot. But like, to see where we're at now over mm-hmm. the last, like, 30, 40 years...
0: We're in the early stages. And it's the crazy. Stuff, but it's the stuff just, is I getting mean, so crazy. much better on a year-to-year basis. Yeah. That it is kind of exciting. I, I share that feeling with it's you. It's super
1: exciting. And, yeah, and then I think also I'm really excited about the Internet of Things and, and where those sensors that are proving themselves out in the industrial context, mm-hmm. like, you know, iIoT and enterprise IoT are starting to be applied <laughs> to the city. I think that's also really exciting. So... Those are maybe my two two top areas right Great. now. But
0: Thanks again for listening to the Orange Silicon Valley Bistrocast. We're glad you could be a part of the conversation. Between episodes, remember that you can follow us every day on orangesv.com, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Medium, as well as through our weekly email newsletter, The Main Cable. We'll see you there, or at one of our many upcoming live events, such as the People Analytics Meetup on August 30th that we're hosting, or Will's research and policy event on September 13th that he told you about today. Last, thanks to Alice Brissett for production assistance on this episode, as well as Carolyn Ma and Alice Koo for designing our logo. I'm Brian Warmuth and we'll be back soon.